here, and his name is Emmanuel. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega who has come to redeem mankind from their sins. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand and clap of praise one more time for the praise team who have so graciously prepared our hearts to receive the preached word of God upon this morning. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord. One more time. One more time. How the old song goes, he didn't have to let me live. He didn't have to let me live. But we are so grateful and glad to be with you on worship this morning. Greetings to the entire Forest Baptist Church family. And good morning and welcome to all of our guests to the church gathered at Forest Baptist. It is a deep privilege and honor to be with you one more time. Even as we reflect upon the past week and how the Lord has kept you, how he has sustained you, how he has provided for you, how he has blessed you serve a good God. We serve a kind God. We serve a faithful God who is exceedingly worthy of our praise, adoration, and affection. Amen. Again, I'm just grateful for what the Lord is doing here at Forest Baptist Church. I'm grateful for all of the partnerships, whether it be FCA, whether it be even our, our very own food pantry, whether it be um, the ESL and partnerships with Newburgh Middle School, or whether it be in our partnership here with uh, Coffee. Each and every one of those partnerships are gospel-centered uh, gospel partnerships. That is, we gather because of the command to go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. And God has allowed us the privilege to join forces with those within his kingdom to impact lives for good, to do good works in the name of Jesus. So grateful for all of our partnerships, grateful this morning for our Advent readers. Thank you for for reading and thank you for making those candles happen. Amen. Y'all didn't see up front. We was like, is the lighter there? Did you get the lighter? I ain't get the lighter. Did you get the lighter? No, did you get the lighter? But I knew somebody had a lighter with them. Amen. Amen. You was a blessing today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And last week, I mean, for, for the month of uh, uh, November, we have been talking about Thanksgiving through giving. And this week, I promised that we would have uh, instructions as far as if your desire is to partner with us in supporting Sonia Stewart as she is our missionary uh, in Malawi. Uh, we, we have worked some of those details out, so there's really two ways. Uh, one way will be from our website. There will be a, a link that re will redirect you to uh, the organization's website where you can 
can do uh, a, a one-time gift. You can do a recurring gift. Again, if just 40 people uh, so chose to give graciously of their hearts at $10 a month, her, her, her needs would be taken care of, uh, just, just her base needs. Uh, but we, we do want to go above and beyond. So uh, if, if you want to make that donation using a credit card online, you can do that through the link. Uh, but then also, uh, from here on out, every first Sunday of the month, where we will continue to, uh, where we will continue once again, Missions Sunday. So each first Sunday of the month, we will bring out uh, some of the gold trays and set them in the middle. And if your desire is, if the Lord lays on your heart, that, that particular Sunday morning to give unto Sonia and the mission that uh, she is carrying out on our behalf and for the kingdom of God, feel free to place your, uh, your donations in that, in that gold tray as you walk through. So whether you want to uh, be new school and, and do it online with your credit card through your phone or if you want to be old school and write a check, uh, we want to make pathways for you to participate in the giving to the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, so there, there's the opportunity. So if you, again, if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, please let me know, um, um, and we will make sure you have whatever information that you need in order to be uh, a part of what God, uh, God is doing in Malawi through Sonia and those there. Well, amen for us. Today is a special occasion. This is a day of celebration. On today, we have the tremendous privilege to celebrate new life within our midst. We have the opportunity of commissioning some new parents and some returning parents. Uh, this, this commissioning is, is the act of entrusting someone with supervisory power or authority. So when we think about the great commission in Matthew the 28th chapter, it is Jesus himself commissioning his disciples, commissioning his people to do what? To go ye therefore and make disciples. He, he is saying, go. I, I not only tell you to go, but I'm going to give you what you need to go. The same goes with parenting. It can be very challenging. It can be very fearful, but yet God always gives you what you need whenever he calls you to a, a purpose that he has for you. And as we know that from the word of God, parenting is a tremendous stewardship. Psalm 127 verse 3 reminds us that children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Our prayer is that we continue to, to set aside days just like this where we can celebrate life and remind parents and, and ourselves of the responsibility, really. And that we would faithfully steward these gifts of children. So today is an opportunity to hear from God specifically as to what he wants from parents and from us as the local body of Christ concerning the raising of these children within our midst. So today we, we specifically celebrate the new life of Ezra born to Maceo and Ivy Lewis. That, that's Kamal, right? Kamal? I got that right? Okay. Ezra Kamal Lewis, Josiah Anthony McGee, born to Michael and Vanika McGee, Asa Christian Nance, born to Aaron and Margaret Nance. 
lastly, also, Aria Grace Smith, born to Philip P.J. and Carrington Smith. Amen. So, beloved, what will be taking place today, it has no salvific effect. For in the New Testament, we see that uh, under the New Covenant, uh, the New Covenant sign of baptism is directly related to one's proclamation and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we believe in believer's baptism. But yet, as the church, we want to give a commission and a charge to parents that they would, in the name of Jesus, raise their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And not only to charge them with their responsibilities, but to remind them that we as your church family will walk alongside you as you do just that. You are not by yourself. It may be difficult, it may be hard, and you may not know exactly what to do, but you are not alone. For by God's grace, we will be the hands and feet and eyes and arms of Jesus walking with you during this journey. So today, we commission these parents because they have an incredible opportunity for the rest of their lives and children's lives. This, this responsibility don't stop when they turn 18 and move out of your house. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I saw two hands, like. <laughs> For the rest of their lives and your lives. We commission these parents because we want them to understand that there is a difference between Christian parenting and secular parenting. Because we are a peculiar people, God calls us to be peculiar in just how we raise our children as well. So let us this morning look to the scriptures and see what guidance God has given us for the raising of our children. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. And specifically, we will be reading verses 10 through 17. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 10 through 17. And if you, if you would... Please, in honor of the reading of God's word, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Beloved, this is the word of God. The inerrant, the infallible, the sufficient, the authoritative word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'd like to place a tag upon the text before us this mor- morning. Parenting by example. Do as I say and do as I do. Do as I say and do as I do. Let us go before our Lord in prayer. Gracious and eternal Father, we just thank you for being our great and eternal and majestic Father who art in heaven. And we ask right now, dear God, in this place, in this kingdom outpost, that you, your kingdom will come and your will be done right here, right now, in Forest Baptist Church as it is in heaven. Lord, that means we need your Holy Spirit to come, to anoint us, to, to fill us, to give us clarity and insight, wisdom and discernment. For apart from your spirit, God, we cannot understand your word. So, Father, I ask that you would speak to us. Open blind eyes and open deaf ears. Father, please, by your grace and infinite mercy, please harden our Please soften our hard hearts for the cares of this world are on our mind right now. But you have declared that we should set our minds on things above and not on things of this world. So, Father, I ask that you would guide us to set our minds on how you desire we raise our children. And that we would not be like the world but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus. Father, give us a new understanding of what it means to be a parent. Give us a new understanding of what it means to be a grandparent, what it means to be an uncle, what it means to be an auntie, what it means to be a cousin, what it means to be a brother or sister, what it means to be the body of Christ in the life of these children and in this world for you. So, Father, I ask that you would speak unto us. Take my brokenness and my weakness and use me through the power of Christ to preach your word to your people. Have your way, dear God. These things we ask in the precious and matchless and mighty name of Jesus the Christ we do pray. And God of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, in church, one of the most frequently referenced verses on raising children in a church happens to be Proverbs, the 22nd chapter and the 6th verse. Proverbs, the 22nd and the 6th church, reads like this. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will what? This is a verse that is very familiar with those who have grown up in the church. But for you, it may be the first time you have heard of this passage of Scripture. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This divinely delivered wisdom is a reminder that if we teach our children right things, they will continue in those right ways. The whole Scripture could be translated, train a child in a manner uh, befitting a child, and even as he grows old, he will not turn from it. 
This proverb is really just saying that if your children fail to do the right things, let it be in spite of you and not because of you. Can I say that again? This is teaching us that if our children fail or falter or go in the wrong direction, that it would not be because of us. Don't let your children fail because of you, but in spite of you. But even as I was reading this verse over and over and over again this week, I couldn't help but wonder if we really understood what it means to, try, uh, to train up our children in the way. What is the way? See, let me explain. We, we can have a, an understanding of this verse of, of training our children in the way, and it can become very subjective. We can have our own uh, traditions, our own family values, our own set of morals that, that will lead us to what we think is right parenting to train our children in a way. I say a way. And it, it, and it, it is subjective because our sinful hearts have been permeated and penetrated by, by this, the sinful message of this world and really our own selfish desires. We can make parenting really all about us. It's all about me, and, 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 I, and I'm not living in a sacrificial way, and that could be the right thing to do. Or I, I begin to parent my children out of fear of what everybody else would think of me and how I parent my children. So I'm really only doing stuff because I want everyone else to accept me and how I raise my children. And we can begin to subjectively believe, uh, to, uh, to, to believe that there is this, 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 this traditional way that we can raise our children. But, beloved, I submit to you today that if, if, if the instruction is coming from our own hearts, it is a subjective way and not the way. The way we instruct and teach our children it may be subjective in its manner and how it takes place, but the instruction of our children need to be objective based upon the object of our affection, which should be Jesus Christ. When we, uh, when we think about the way, have you ever wondered the way? See, this is one of those verses we say a whole lot in church. But have you actually gave thought to what is the way? Well, when I think about the way, I can't help but, uh, but hear verses of Scripture just come floating over my mind when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the book of Acts, we see on a number of occasions when it came to the Christian faith, the way, uh, uh, the way meant the Christian life. The way meant those following the words of Jesus Christ, those who were his disciples. That is what, that's, that's, that's what it meant to follow the way. Beloved, we must understand what the way means. And the reason why is if we don't understand what the way means, that would make all the difference if we begin pointing our children to religion or pointing our children to Jesus. For when we point our children to religion, we are pointing them to a pharisaical, a, a legalistic way of life, a moralistic way of life that if you just do good, you get into heaven. 
If your good outweighs your bad, then you're good with old St. Peter. But, beloved, the word of God rings true when he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we are only worried about being morally good, we only worried about the outside. But Jesus is more concerned about our inside. And who we believe Jesus to be. And when we think about this text, it so when I think about it that way, if I think the way is actually pointing to a relationship with Jesus Christ, then then this is more than just a principle. It, 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 it can uh, represent a promise in a way. Because, beloved, if the way means religion, then walking away would be easy. And we've seen that time and time again where we where, where, where children have come through the church and we thought we raised them in the church and they have have left. Now, again, you may have taught them the correct way and they went off on their own in disobedience. But yet we want to be mindful that we are not putting up these false constructs of what a child should be based upon religious tradition. Because religious tradition is easy to walk away from. But if the way means a relationship with Jesus, true followers of Christ never walk away from him. If you genuinely belong to Jesus, there would not be, you would not walk away from him. Because you, you love him and, and you behold him and, and, and you belong to him and he belongs to you. That's not just a relationship you can get up out of if you genu genuinely belong to Jesus. And as we read the passage before us, the question we must ask ourselves is, have we been given our children religion to follow or a relationship to cherish? Yes, we, we must be mindful to teach our children to know about Jesus. That's the information. You definitely want to come to church and get the information, but but even more, we must teach our children to follow Jesus. We're more interested in a transformation. Christian parents have a godly duty, for Christian parents have the responsibility of setting a godly example for their children and cultivating an environment conducive to the gospel. Christian parents have the responsibility of setting a godly example for their children and cultivating an environment conducive to the gospel. There's no way, no better way to do this than for Christian parents to teach their children to follow Jesus by example. And from the text this morning, I would like to point out just three ways Christian parents can provide a godly example. First, parents should model piety. Piety. Secondly, parents should model perseverance. And thirdly, parents should model persistence. Parents should model piety, perseverance, and persistence. Digging right into the text, we see that Paul is, is, is writing to his, to his spiritual son in the ministry. He has taught and discipled Timothy most of his, his life, and he has been that example in Timothy's life. So though Paul is not Timothy's biological father, he does have a, a weighty responsibility and role of instruction in Timothy's life. 
It is from that relationship. I want us to get our example. This is a helpful example to parents and just Christians in general. As we go through life, the Lord will put people in your life that he wants you to be a godly example for. So this message ain't just for parents today. This, this message is for everyone who, who names the name of Jesus and wants to fulfill the role of being a light in a dark and dimly lit world. A life of impact. And in this text, verse 10, it starts off uh, by, by, by contrasting the life of the godly with the ungodly. And verses 1 through 9 is a list of what the ungodly influence uh, uh influencers are doing how they impact and affect your life and 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 those who are ungodly paul says in verse one he says but understand this that in the last days let me pause there just for a second when he says the last days don't think the last days are coming the last days are here the moment that jesus rose from the grave and ascended into glory that the whole time period from Jesus' ascension to right now are the last days. So, so, so Paul's instruction, he ain't talking about sometime next week. He's not talking about sometime next year or in the future future when you, when you old and gray. He's talking about right now. He says in the last days that, that people will become what? Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. Wait, let me back up. If you think you ain't proud or arrogant, you are proud and arrogant. And, uh, disobedient to their children, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, uh, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. You just flying off out the handle, talking to anybody any way you want to, and claim you just keeping it real. No, you lack self-control. Brutal. Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. And then he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In verse 5, he starts talking, talking to church folk because he says, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. He's talking about when you look good on Sunday morning, like you're supposed to be at church. You know when you leave, like, you look so good, you go to go to Corral, everybody be like, what church you go to? Just by looking how sweet you look. He's talking about that outside appearance. Having a form of godliness, but denying his power. Though you look like you saved, you haven't been able to demonstrate the power because you are all over the place. He's talking about the ungodly, but he comes down to the text right here and begins to talk about the godly. And what does Paul say? He, he's given us a model of piety. Verse 10, you, however. My son, don't be like all the kids in school. My child, if so-and-so go jump off of a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge too? My, my child, Nuke Nuke and Baby them don't belong to me. My child, don't be like everybody else. I ain't say every. Everybody else. Trying to make sure I'm contextual, that we got that. Don't be like all your friends. Don't, don't be like everybody on the videos. Don't, don't grow up talking about, I just want, I want to be just like Beyonce. Don't, if you grow up, you want to be like Jesus. 
Paul is offering this contrast, and guess what he does? He doesn't, he doesn't say, uh, uh, in order to help you understand what it means to be faithful, I'm going to start taking you to church. He doesn't say, in order to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that I'm going to take you to Sunday school. I'm going to take you to VBS. Paul says, no, I'm not going to take you anywhere because you ain't got to go far to understand what it looks like to be a Christian. And he says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Paul is saying, if you want to see what it looks like to be a Christian, you ain't got to go very far, my son. You just imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul has set for Timothy an example of godliness. That's what piety means. Godliness, righteousness. Are we setting a godly example for our children? Paul says, I, I, I taught you, I gave you right instruction. I gave you instruction that, that will line up according to Cosmoto Cosmopolitan Magazine. Okay, no, no, my bad. I gave you instruction that will line up to the latest ebony. I, I gave you instruction that will line up to the latest Jet Magazine. I, I gave, no, he's not talking about anybody else. He says, I give you instruction that lines up according to the very word of God that I have been following all my life. As parents and as Christians, what are we really teaching someone else? Are we teaching them those, those church uh, catchphrases or are we able to to, to, to bring up a, a chapter and a verse to our speech and to our language. Can we say uh, uh, what thus says the Lord or what, the, what thus says the church of the world? What, what are we teaching our children? If we are teaching anything, Paul says right instruction comes from the teaching of the word of God. Right teaching. And he says, uh, uh, you will follow my conduct. Paul gives him an example in the right way. Timothy, you just do what I do. Act how I act. Beloved, how often do we say when our children doing something, well, you act just like your mama. When they're doing, so, they doing something good, oh, yeah, they, look, they act like they daddy today. When they do something bad, you act like your mama. Nah, we don't do that at home. But, but isn't how that we approach? What if your child really acted just like you all day? See, for, for Paul, that wasn't no big deal because he knew he was imitating Christ. So if his child was, if Timothy would really be caught up in living by the example he, he had seen Paul live out, then he would, he would live in a way that is righteous. He would, he, would, he would do right things and go to right places and live a lifestyle. Not just sometimes. Paul, but when, when Paul is talking about his conduct, he's talking about not just from 9 to 1 o'clock on Sunday. He's talking about Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, especially Friday and Saturday night. He's talking about my conduct. Every single day, a, a, a righteous conduct that is following 
Scripture. But he also says, my aim in life. Paul is concerned with passing on right purpose. In America, our, our, our purpose is to get rich, to make money. Our purpose in America is the greatest idol in America is to be comfortable. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to I just want to be everything good. I mean, we'll look at that, but the Christian life is not a comfortable life. If your life is cushy and just comfortable, I ain't, I ain't talking about you got a little money in the bank. I'm talking about there's no problems, no issues. Every single body likes you. Then maybe your witness for Jesus is not shining brightly enough. Because Paul's purpose was God's purpose, and that was to glorify him. When we're teaching our children that their purpose in life is to, is to uh, get old and, and, and to make money and to buy a nice house and to, uh, to make sure they finish school and get a nice husband and a, a good-looking wife. When, when, we're, when we're giving them those, uh, the, those examples of what their purpose in life should be, that is contrary to what the Word of God is saying. The Word of God says we are to glorify Him. Isaiah reminds us that we've been created for his glory. That is our whole purpose. So Paul wants Timothy to understand that his, his whole purpose in life is to make much of Jesus Christ. Paul wants Timothy to understand his, his faith. His faith. And that is to have a right confidence. To have a right trust in the word of God in Jesus Christ and not trusting in the world, not trusting in GE, not trusting in UPS for your check and for your education, not trusting in Ford Motor Company, not trusting our employers, but trusting that it is God who provides our daily bread. He wants Timothy to have a right perspective of where their blessings come from, and that is from God himself. He also wants him to understand his, his, his patience, my patience. This is a tolerance, a, a, the ability to put up with some stuff. Some of us get so frustrated. We're so impatient. As soon as that car, we going, we going 78. You know you ain't supposed to be going 78 anyway. And you on a bumper of that car that's going 75. And you get out the way, get out the way. It's just impatient. But a spirit from heaven is what gives us the ability to have patience, to tolerate those who may offend us, the ability to hold without hitting back every time something, someone says something wrong about you. Paul knows that in Timothy's life, in ministry, he will have hard times and that he cannot give in to the temptation to go off. A right tolerance, but not only a right tolerance, he says, my love. He, uh, Timothy, I want you to have the right affections. Timothy, I want you to love the things that God loves. And I want you to hate the things that God hates. Because I love the things that God loves. 
and I hate the things that he hates. We, our affection should not be for what the world has to offer. Our affections, we should not just long for satisfaction of ourselves. We should long for Jesus and his coming and that he will come into a broken world and he will make everything right. He will make everything new. He wants our affections to look forward to the day when the angel cries out with a shout and, and the sky rips open and Jesus himself comes forth to, to take us to the land of no more, no more cancer, no more crying, no more dying, no more difficulty. He wants us to have the right affection to set our eyes to the hills, which come our help. Because our help comes from the Lord. But then also he, he wants Timothy to have right endurance, steadfastness, the ability to, to keep going. The ability to, to go through. We're going to look at that some more, but these are all the examples of godliness that Paul is exhibiting to Timothy. He, he's not saying to his children, you know, I, I want you to be godly like deacon so-and-so. I want you to be loving like sister so-and-so. I, I want you to be steadfast like brother so-and-so. He says, I want you to, to follow me. So as, as parents and as Christians, we have to have a life that is so set on the goodness and grace of God that we are just pursuing him with all of our life, with all of our efforts, and that we will not turn to the left or to the right but we will continue in the narrow way. And beloved, what I like about this is the close proximity of Timothy to Paul's life. Because if Paul wrote this, and he's saying, be like me, we don't see Paul open this up and say, like, be like you? He, he, he's not confused. Because just think about Timothy's proximity to Paul's life. Timothy knew what went on behind closed doors. Beloved, can your children really say that they should follow you? What goes on behind closed doors in your home? What, what, what are those secrets that you don't tell nobody outside this house? What are the things that your children are really coming up against and that are really influencing them? If you told your child that they should obey when you don't obey, then, and then when they come to you with it and you say things like, just do it as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. Absolutely not. What Paul is exhibiting is what we call Holy Spirit living. Galatians 5, 16 uh, helps us to understand this because it says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The, the, uh, Paul is, ex is exhibiting the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He's exhibiting those very things that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit living within his life should put on display. If you belong to Jesus then your life should exhibit these behaviors just naturally. Just, just because. Because the Holy Spirit is living in you 
and you are submitted and surrendered to his will. If parents are to cultivate an environment conducive to the gospel, surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in your own life. Parents should model piety, but also parents should model perseverance. Verses 11 through 13, he says, My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Beloved, from the book of Acts, we see that Paul didn't have an easy life. Paul suffered and went through trials over and over again. Him uh, proclaiming the gospel with such boldness caused him a lot of issues in his life. He faced a lot of difficulty, and he's referring specifically to three events that happened in his life. When Paul goes to Antioch, he begins to preach Jesus in the synagogue, and and the text says many people were, were believing and were coming, but the Jews came in and began to incite uh, opposition. They began to say, don't listen to him. Don't, don't you see what he's, what he's talking about, your God? We, we need to get him. We need to get him up out of here. And, and, and they, they, they run him out of town. Uh, but does, does, does Paul go off talking about, whoa, it's me? I tried. No, he goes to the next city. He goes to Iconium. And then Iconium, he, he goes to the synagogue. He begins to teach and preach. And, and, and here the text says, many Jews and Gentiles came to know Jesus Christ. But, but, Jews came in again, and they began to oppress him. They began to incite all of those who were, who were around him, and, and, and they wanted him uh, to be stoned. So he's, he's under the threat of being stoned, so he leaves. Goes to the next city, Lystra. And here in Lystra, the text says those Jews from Antioch, them Jews from Iconium, they followed him. They came, they got their boys, and got their boys' boys, and said, we about to go over here and handle this. So they got their crew, and they went over to, uh, they went all, all the way to Lystra, and they, they got Paul this time, and they took him, and they stoned Paul. The text, the text of Scripture said, they, and they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. They bum-rushed him, old school style, you know, kicking him and beating him. Left him for dead. But the text says he got up, dust himself off, and went back up in the synagogue. See, beloved, if you tell me, but I don't know your story, I say, but do you know Paul's? No matter what we've been through, no matter what hurt, what sufferings, what difficulty, God's grace is greater. And God was able to use Paul. And not only was he able to use Paul after those sufferings, here we have the apostle Paul in jail. About to die. He's still able to write a letter esteeming Christ Jesus. What does it mean? That means that don't just serve God when everything's okay. Your family needs to see you serving the Lord when all hell breaks out, breaks loose in your home. Just on last week, Brother Michael McGee preached on the storms in your life. There will be storms in your life. But what Timothy has seen from Paul is the fact that even though Paul was suffering in his life, 
he still honored God in the process. See, Paul's faith wasn't a faith of just add Jesus and everything will be all right type faith. He had a faith that knew as he endured, as he went through, that the Lord would rescue him. We don't serve Jesus because we want a better life. On the contrary, the text shows us a life in service to Jesus actually makes life harder. But he promises that I, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He says, all that I have given you and supplied you with through my Holy Spirit, you are, uh, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He's saying, no, no matter what comes up, no, no matter what height or death, what, no, angels, you know, things present, things past, nothing will be able to separate you from my love. When, when we look at the, the scriptures, we know that if God be for us, beloved, then who really could be against us? See, in other words, your children must see you following Jesus even when it's difficult. They got to see you struggling at that legal job rather than that side hustle. They got to see you actually doing right by grandma and them if they ever going to do right by you. They got to see uh, when times get hard that you're not going to fall and fail. If you fall and fail when hard times come in your life, your children ain't going to say, they're going to say nothing but, what kind of God is that? They at church every week. They read their Bible every week. They, they act like they all saved, but, but, but what is God really doing in their life? But if you are able to, to, to allow God to lift you up and to hold you and to keep you, beloved, my Bible keeps telling me over and over again that God is my stronghold. He is my refuge. He is my all in all. And if I just had myself in the arms of Jesus, no matter what circumstance may come my way, I'm able to stand because he's the one that already stood for me on Calvary's cross. And your children have to see the power of Christ working through your life to understand that, oh, this faith is real. This is real. Oh, mom and them ain't got no money, but they still love Jesus. Oh, that car be broke down, but they still make it to church. Oh, they got a cold on their sick bed, but God has a way of raising them up. This God must be real. We may be eating peanut butter and jelly one more day, but God is faithful. I may have to have that government cheese and white bread, but God is faithful. I ain't ashamed of pulling out my card in line, but God is faithful. My mama used to walk around at work. She was a nurse, nurse's assistant. Whole lot of walking. And mama would come home every single day. 
holes in her shoes, taped up. And I used to, oh, yeah, Mom, why don't you just buy you some shoes? Oh, baby, don't worry about me. Mom, why don't you ever do something for yourself? Baby, don't worry about me. Her witness of faith showed me it's not about what's on my body that gives me joy. It's not what I'm driving that makes me shout hallelujah. It's not what I got in the bank that makes me feel good about myself. It's about the fact that I trust in a holy God who is able to do the impossible above all that I could ever ask or think. That if, if you truly had Christ as your treasure, you had all things in one. We were so broke growing up, not even knowing. Because Jesus was the center of our house. Don't be ashamed about your struggle. Don't you know your test is your testimony? And God wants to use your testimony, not just for us in here. He wants to use your testimony to teach your children that they can depend upon God too. But we got to have perseverance. If parents are to cultivate an environment conducive to the gospel, trust that the Lord is able to rescue you in the storm. Lastly, from the text, parents should model persistence. Persistence. This is different than perseverance. Perseverance is, is, is enduring under a weight. Persistence is just over and over and over again. And he says this in verse 14. Timothy, but as for you, continue. Continue in what you have learned. And have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Paul's encouragement to continue is an encouragement to do exactly what Paul has been doing up until that point. To continue in the faith. A, a Paul has a firm foundation. So he is not going to fall when, when the storms come. He's going to continue on because he understand it wasn't him who got himself there in the first place. It was the Lord working on his behalf, moving and shaping and changing and opening up some doors, closing some doors. He knows that it has been God on his side, so he will continue, and he is encouraging Timothy, don't stop. Don't stop, baby. Keep fighting, keep moving, keep trusting. And, and this word continue, this is, this, that doesn't mean it's not a one-time thing. Let me, let me explain that. Because it, in the church, we have to be careful that because you had a one-time experience with God, 
that you saved now. From the point of that experience, have you been faithfully walking with Jesus since then? Or were you baptized when you was five, six, seven, and now your life looked like hell? He's saying, Timothy, continue in this faith. Don't just leave it to a one-time experience. Because those in Christ know that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, every new day that he gives you of new mercy and new grace, he fills you up for that day too. This is a continual filling and working and sanctifying that God is doing in the hearts and lives of his people. And I love what he says. He says, don't just continue in some mess. Continue in what you have learned. The gospel. The good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ for the pardon of his sins and for the glory of God. But not only does he say continue in what you have learned, but Timothy's had a personal experience with Jesus, so he's able to say, and continue in what you have believed. He says, Timothy, don't just let it be head knowledge, but make it heart knowledge. Apply it to your life. Beloved, we believe in more than, than just facts. We believe in the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And he says, and, and, and continue in what you have learned and believed. And from what? Knowing from whom you learned it. Paul was no hypocrite. Paul talked the talk and walked the walk. And beloved, even though you and I will always fall and fail, when Jesus says we are able to confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us, we should be those modeling repentance for our children. They should see that when we fall, we don't just lay down, but we repent and we turn and we trust Jesus again. And this, this continual trusting, this continual rep, uh, repenting is, is what mom and daddy just do. It should not be foreign for us to apologize to our children for doing too much. Y'all know we do too much sometimes. Be fussing and yelling at them because we don't want, we watching the game. And it's easier to yell than to actually get up and discipline them. Like, y'all stop up there. My show on. Now shut up. Y'all know y'all wrong for that. But a Christian is not a person who's perfect. A Christian is someone who's blameless. A blameless person means you ain't got nothing on me. If you and I got a beef, that means I've come to you and I've apologized. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me for X, Y, and Z? We should walk blameless before our children. So even if, even if there's feelings of guilt that, that man, I, I haven't got it right or I haven't been doing it right, guess what? There's grace for that. And you repent before God, Lord, I'm sorry for parenting how I want to parent and not parenting, not, not parenting how you want me to parent. And then you go to your child and say, I have been parenting you how I have wanted to parent, and I have not parented, parented you according to Christ. Would you please forgive me? Blameless. 
then they can't hold that over your head 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. You blameless. Knowing from whom you learned it, then he says, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Paul is talking about the scriptures. Paul is not talking about church attendance. He's not talking about just vacation Bible school. He's talking about the word of God being taught within their home. They're not waiting on the pastor to teach it. They're not waiting on the deacons to teach it. They're not waiting on the trustees, Sunday school teachers to teach it. Timothy had a godly grandmother and mother who was teaching him the scriptures even as he was young. So now Paul just said, just, just keep doing what you're doing. If parents are to cultivate an environment conducive to the gospel, the scriptures must continually lead your life. Parents should model piety, perseverance, and parents should model persistence. Beloved, the beauty of this text is that as parents and just as Christians in general, we don't have to have all the answers. Paul shows us by closing and closing this passage and he, he reveals to us once again of why he says what he says and why he does what he does. Paul has grounded his life on the one thing that really matters. And those are the scriptures of Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word equips you for life. You ain't got to have all the answers, but God does. The word prepares you to parent. You ain't got to worry about all the self-help books and how-to books. Yeah, they help with that practical advice, uh, maybe some of the nuts and bolts, but the first instruction manual that we need to hit up is the word of God. Paul's life was centered in Jesus and built upon God's word. Paul's way of life reflects the words of Jesus when he speaks in Matthew, the sixth chapter and the 33rd verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things I will add unto you. What, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, though this life may be filled with dangers, toils, and snares. You just seek Jesus. Though your circumstances may be uh, broke, busted, and disgusted, you just seek Jesus. Though you may be full of fear and frustration, you just keep seeking Jesus and all these things, that check, that job, that car, that milk, that clothing, all those things, your reputation, your words, your behavior, your affections, all these things. When Jesus is the center of our pursuits, everything just seems to work itself out. Because he is in control. Beloved, that's grace. We don't deserve all these things to be worked out. We don't deserve to be able to just trust in God and know he's going to work it out. 
that's grace. God is trying to relieve you from that migraine by saying, just trust me. Jesus is saying to us today, I got you. I got you in my hands. Not because of who you are, but because of who I am. Beloved, let the scriptures point you to Jesus this morning. Because we cannot show Christ if we don't know Christ. The question for all of us today, parents or, or not, do you have religion or do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you have a religion, I implore you, I beg you to trust in Jesus today because religion will not make you acceptable to God no matter what you do. It is the blood of Christ that covers our sins, that removes all iniquity. And though my sin was as crimson, and the blood of Jesus has washed me, and it's because of what he has accomplished. Now I have acceptance before God. Trust Jesus today. Trust that Jesus did come to save you from sin and the penalty of sin. Trust that Jesus lived the life that you could not live. Trust that Jesus died the death that you deserve because of your sin. Trust that Jesus rose from the grave conquering sin and death. And trust that Jesus now lives in glory and will return. Will you trust in Jesus today? And will you entrust your children to the Lord from here on out. Let us pray. Lord, you are faithful and great and wonderful. We do thank you for your word. We thank you that you not only call us to obedience, but you give us your Holy Spirit to give us the strength to obey. So, Father, as we dedicate these children to you, and commission these parents. Lord, you have a word for all of us. And that is, your grace is sufficient. For your power is perfected in our weakness. So, Father, may we show up today depending upon you and needing you more than anything else. We do love you and we do thank you. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray. Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to try to get all these families up here. So hear these words, church. Hear these words, parents, because this is your commission. Today is a day that we say praise the Lord. Thanks be to God for the arrival of these bundles of hope and joy. Parenthood is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done, but it's also one of the greatest things you'll ever do. It's worthy of every bit of blood, sweat, and tears that are to come. Hear this, parents. By coming forward today, you are confessing that you believe in a stewardship vision of parenting. By coming forward, you are announcing that your children do not belong to you, 
but to the Lord. And you are dedicating this child unto the Lord. By coming forward, you are committing to faithfulness even when suffering comes. By coming forward, you are claiming that you are